You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Now, last Sunday, we had a most spirited discussion about the growing and, well, quite frankly, disturbing impact that social media is having on our kids and especially on our student athletes. Now, if you might recall, I started the conversation last Sunday by talking about Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers and how he had to apologize at the All-Star game for posting offensive stuff on Twitter when he was 17 years old. And while Hader gave a full and public apology, it still begged the question, why would he have done this when he was 17? And it doesn't, let me ask you, doesn't your kid know by the time they're 17 years old, by the time one's a junior or senior in high school, that you shouldn't post homophobic or racial slurs on Twitter? I mean, to me, that's, that's really part and parcel of, of understanding the power and impact of what you do when you put something on Twitter. And then even I ask of you, why do our kids, our kids who know Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and all the rest, they all know that stuff a lot better than you and me. So why do our kids continue not to think ahead about what they send out into the very public cyberspace. And it never seems to stop. In fact, the spread of Twitter's power continues to expand at an exponential rate. Let me go on. For example, this past past January, the University of Arizona was in the process of searching for a new head football coach. And then the very talented quarterback at Arizona, Khalil Tate, well, he put out a short tweet that made it very clear that he did not want to play the triple option in college. And the reason why he put that out on Twitter is because that was a direct reference to a potential head coaching candidate from the Naval Academy. That's uh, Ken uh, Numatalulu, and my apologies for the mispronunciation of his name, but you know who I'm talking about. But here's the kicker. The new president of the University of Arizona, Dr. Robert Robbins, he publicly applauded Khalil Tate for voicing his opinion about the coaching search. Apparently, Dr. Robbins wants his students to be, quote, more socially disruptive. Say what? I mean, what? Now, whether it's because of that tweet from Khalil Tate, who admittedly is a top quarterback, well, Arizona went out and hired a football coach, Kevin Sumlin, formerly of Texas A&M, who prefers a run-and-gun approach to his offense, which is what Khalil Tate prefers, not the triple option approach that Navy runs. So it was someone best known, you might recall, for coaching Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M, who got the job at Arizona. So is this what we've come to, that college presidents are now applauding their undergraduate students for making their preference known on which coaches to hire? I mean, my personal sense is that Dr. Robbins, the college president, who is relatively new to his job, was really trying to say that he salutes undergrads who speak their minds. But I have to tell you, this is kind of an odd time to applaud applaud this kid so strongly. I mean, 
Does this mean that college football players can now dictate or strongly influence who their next coach is going to be? Now, take this a step further. Let's suppose this trickles down to the high school or club team level. Will kids or their parents start to tweet out who they want for the next head coaching job as well? I, I You know, if you think all this through with Twitter and people giving voice to their opinions and, and, and sending out their preferences, I mean, this gets sort of, you know, it's sort of mind-boggling. It just goes on and on and on. Now, look, I, as you probably know, I'm, I'm an old-school kind of guy, but I have to confess, I find a lot of this very, very disturbing. And I do think this is going to begin to happen more and more and more. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are about this in light of what we talked about last week with, you know, kids and not thinking ahead. But in the, the irony with Khalil Tate at Arizona, the quarterback, he said, yeah, I know exactly what I was doing. I don't tweet very much, but when I do, I want to make sure that I get my opinions my, and my, my thoughts out there. And obviously, in this case, it had a real impact on, on who the, uh, the athletic director and the, uh, the board of directors at Arizona decided to hire for a new football coach. I just find this, I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know, but I am curious to get your thoughts. Of course, our toll-free line here is 1-877-337-6666. That's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Uh, limited possibilities await you at, Mo- at Mohegan Sun. You can plan to stay at mohegansun.com. Okay, let's start our conversation this morning with our friend Ed over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. What's What's this world coming to? <laughs> now, now, now you make opinions on Twitter on who you want to coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, I know. In the past, Rick, I've been on job interviews for coaching positions, and they have like a player or two in there, you know, to, to uh, I guess to voice their opinion who they like to coach and all that. Right. So it's you know. It's it's getting crazy, but if it gets to the point now where if the Twitter goes to uh, telling who, who they want as their travel coach and all that stuff, now now, we're, now it's really getting out of control and all that stuff. You say why coach anymore? It's like you almost don't trust the people that you want to coach. You're going to let the parents dictate and all that. Especially well, like me, I'm an old school type of coach, and I don't I don't take nothing. You know, even yesterday I had to coach a coach game yesterday. Two kids came late. I didn't even play them. Because you know, I have a rule. If you if you don't come on time, call me, call me, or Twitter, or or text me. Yep. I didn't do it. I didn't even plan. Did the kids have any any valid reason for being late? No, they they they, they didn't have an answer. You oh, know, yeah. so uh, and I have a rule. You know what? If you text me the night before and tell me you're going to be late, you've already covered your rear end. But right. I I still got kids that that they they don't get it, Coach. And I'm going to tell you what. It trickles down to the parents because the parents don't don't know how to discipline their kids uh, on on sense of value with a lot of things. <laughs> Ed, you know, you open up your situation. Uh, if these kids are late to to the game and don't play, you know, you might find yourself the victim of a, a Twitter campaign today. <laughs> I, you know what? I have no I have no problem because I'm I'm an old school guy, and I'm not going to change. To the day I go to my coffin. Yeah, I hear you. Ed, thank, thanks for the call. As have always. a great. Have a great day. You too. And, you know, Ed's, Ed's a prime example. I mean, uh, yes, obviously there can be extenuating circumstances. If a couple of kids are late for a game, maybe they, they had to stop because they came across a, a traffic accident and they wanted to lend a hand to somebody who had been injured. That's one thing. But to have no excuse as to why you're late or not to give the coach a heads up, I mean, that's just not right. It's not right to, uh, for, to the coach. It's not right for the rest of your teammates who are counting upon you being there on time. But again, 
because kids today have such access to social media, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, Ed could be the victim of a, of a Twitter backlash today. But as he said, a lot of times when, when, when college uh, athletic directors uh, or even high school athletic directors are in the process of hiring a new coach, uh, they will bring in players from the team to at least have a chance to interact and, and meet the new potential candidate. But in this case, what this quarterback did at, at the University of Arizona, he just basically said, I don't want to play for this coach. Uh, he said all the right things. I'm sure he's a, a wonderful guy, this coach from Navy, but I don't like the way he runs his offense. I want to go play for somebody else. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty outspoken stuff. Let's, let's move on. Let's go, to, um, let's go to John and Mammoth Junction. Good morning, John. You're on the fan. Uh, good morning, Rick. Yeah. Uh, Ed, I don't know Ed, but we Ed and I could be friends, man. That that's the way you have to you have to put out the rules. And let, let's just break this into two things. The first thing is is we just have to realize that males, in particular, their cognitive function doesn't work until properly until they're in their twenties. That's one of the main reasons why most of the wars to have young people in there because the young guys are going to run to the front. They're not going to think of anything. And that's just a basic thing. And so parents, again, like, like Ed said, you have to give the rules. You can't stop. And he's going to continue. I'm going to continue, even though my kids are 24, 25 years old, to do that. And you're, uh, so the cognitive function is one thing. Don't expect... Even old, when I was younger and when you were younger, our cognitive function as males did not, did well, not, uh, uh, John, uh, what it could work. Oh, I, what? I, I don't know. You know, it's, you know, thank you for the call. I don't know if that's true biologically or physiologically that male and female brain functions are different. I will say this, you know, there are lots and lots of examples uh, of, of social media where obviously young people regardless of their gender, just don't seem to have the, the cognitive ability to think ahead about the consequences of what they're posting. And, and you know, last week I mentioned about uh, a story from a year ago where uh, a girls' softball team and these gir- five or six of these girls uh, basically posted uh, a photo of themselves on Snapchat thinking they would disappear within a f- you know, five or six seconds uh, with them making an obscene gesture. And before you know it, somebody had taken a photo of that uh, of that photo, and it went viral, and the girls end up being disqualified to play in a national championship game. So I, I'm not sure it's gender-oriented. I do know that this is a huge concern, and, and for some reason, which we can't seem to figure out, a lot of these kids today just post stuff uh, without really thinking through about the possible or potential consequences. And I do think this has become a, a real plague uh, for young people, and it's hard as heck for, for parents and coaches to to find a, a, a way to get our arms around this issue. It just seems to be spiraling, spiraling out of control uh, with no sort of a solution in sight. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, Bill in uh, Somers Point. Bill, good morning. You're on the fan. Uh, morning, Coach. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Now, this whole Twitter thing, nobody taking responsibility, the parents, the kids, or nothing. I hate to say it, look at the president. Well, of course, of course, obviously. Yeah, he tweets, he constantly tweets with, you know, no repercussions, basically. So kids and young people, well, if he can do it, we can do it. Yeah, I, I it's just, Bill, it's, and yeah. you're right, there's no question about the fact that President Trump has decided to sort of, in effect, bypass the media, and if he wants to get his points across, he uses his Twitter 
campaign to just what he thinks obviously is directly uh, uh, reaching uh, the American audience. So obviously a lot of kids today see that and say, well, if the president's doing, I had have, I have the same right to do the same thing. Uh, but it's, it's, it really has gotten to the level, and, and Bill, thanks for the call, it's gotten to the point now where we're really sort of get concerned about what, what is, how this has been into steamroll and just get out of control. And, and um, as I said, I, the situation out of Arizona concerns me, but because I do think we're going to start seeing the next step is going to be a situation where we have high school athletes posting what they think about coaches uh, or opposing teams uh, or about referees or officials, and you're going to see this just getting out of hand. And, and uh, that's what we want to focus on this morning. Is, is this just something that's going to be – uh, something that's is going to be a fait accompli, or is it actually going to take the other way around? Maybe I'll, I'll talk about this. You know, I, I've had people tell me that, no, this is the way, this is good, this is fine. Kids should have the ability to express their thoughts. It's as simple as that. Okay, let me let me take a time out. Uh, when I come back after uh, John Minko's update, I'll go right back to your calls, because this is, I think, the you know top priority issue for all sports parents and coaches and educators today. And back here on the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf, we're talking this morning about the growing trend of social media and how it seems to be empowering athletes, uh, even at the collegiate and even maybe the high school level, to put out their opinions about which coaches to hire or even fire and other uh, related issues. Now, I got to tell you, to be fair, I discussed this issue with my son-in-law, Noah Savage, and Noah's 32, and he was the captain of the Princeton basketball team. And he told me, he says, you know, I, he thinks it's fine that athletes voice their opinion on the hiring of new coaches uh, on a social media. Uh, now, of course, he, he doesn't agree that coaches, that kids should, should publish stupid and offensive tweets, but he does think that it's okay for college athletes today to have a forum in which they get their thoughts across. Now, again, I'm an old school guy. I'm not sure I buy into that to empower undergraduates or high school students to put out their thoughts about who should get hired or, or even let go. But again, that's where we're headed with this whole social media empowerment. one 337 6666 Let's continue with our calls. Let's go down to Washington, D.C. Tony is standing by. Tony, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, hey, how you doing this morning, Rick? Good, Tony. How are you? Uh, all right. Uh, not the go-off subject, but I know we're talking about collegiate and high school athletes, but it's, I'm not sure if you're aware. Jason Witten, Jason formerly Witten of the did, Yes, Jason. I'm glad you brought that up, Tony. On the whole issue mm-hmm. of social media, Jason Witten right. did a piece. In, in the locker room. I yes. mean, he said he's had problems with guys who are halftime. They're checking their Twitter for <laughs> comments. I mean, it's just it's terrible, man. And it's it's in my opinion, it, it, it's. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Tony, it, it's uh, and again for those who haven't seen the the article, the column by Witten, obviously you know longtime uh, Cowboys uh, star, you know he was saying this has gotten to the point now where athletes during the course of games come back into the the, the locker room and start checking out their, their social media accounts and so on and so forth. It's it's just it's just again yeah. getting away from the idea of team play or, or being able to to relate or communicate with one's teammates. It's just really bizarre. And yet, what do we do about this, Tony? I don't know how we, how we stop this. 
it, even on another note, the Twitter, the, that social media is what's driving this anger protest more, more than anything. Because you got a lot of guys who don't want to hear people on Twitter, oh, you let those owners make you stop kneeling. Oh, you let those guys tell you what to do. And they're, they're gassed up from Twitter and they want to puff their chest out and say, well, I'm going to keep kneeling then. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's a negative effect. It's, it's a negative effect. It's a huge negative effect. And, Tony, thanks for checking in this morning. All right, you, know, it, you bet. And, and, you know, yeah, that's why we're talking about this last week and this week. I think this is a huge concern that is just uh, just sweeping over the course of the country, and it's going to have a dramatic impact on, on, on sports, uh, not just at the professional level, but at the amateur level as well. Let's go on. Let's go to Al in uh, Maplewood, New Jersey. Al, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you? Good, Thanks Alan. for having me. You bet. What's up? I I, I just wanted to say uh, I I do side with the caller that just the guy who just called about you know you go into the locker room halftime and you're tweeting that that that's ridiculous. I think when you get to the point where you can't wait to pick up your phone to tweet in the middle of a game, uh, you have a problem. Yep. But when it comes to the guy who expressed his, be it you know homophobic or racial concerns, you know, uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's how these kids communicate. I thought he was actually being kind of fake, saying, oh, yeah, I was young or whatever. No, that's what you, I think that's what you were thinking at that time. Well, and as a nation, yeah. as a nation, we're going to have to get comfortable with the fact that these young kids, this is their means of communication. I, you know, I, I I hear you, and I do think that's correct uh, because I do think kids today, they're they're, they're long gone past the idea of of, of email, uh, voicemails, yeah. long in the history. They communicate with each other via Twitter, and as a consequence, they sort of assume. And I don't have any expertise in this to say this, but my sense is they assume that they people when they talk to their friends and colleagues. Everybody knows that what you put on Twitter is uncensored, and nobody nobody has to worry about it. And that's that's what they don't seem to understand. When we come back and say you posted something really offensive or stupid on your Twitter account, you can't do that. That's going to harm you in your long range careers. Kids say, "Nah, I was just talking to my buddies. I didn't, they, they know I'm not I'm not really serious." But that's how they seem to to uh, communicate, and they don't seem to have any sense of any repercussions along those lines especially when it comes to the world of sports. Uh, Al, exactly. I, I think that's a good point. Uh, th- thanks for bringing that up. And I think that's what we're talking about here, that the kids today, and again, it might be a generational thing, they say, first of all, as Al says, that's how they communicate via Twitter. And two, they really don't you know, think through because they don't think it has it. They all know the same thing. They're all talking to their friends, and they don't. there's no reason to hold back. Or, or to worry about any long-term impact. And they just don't seem to get that. And then we come back and talk to like a guy like a Josh Hader and say, you know, how could you post such horrible things when you were 17 years old and you were a junior or senior in high school? He says, I don't know, I, I was stupid or immature. Yeah, but that's not right. That's just not the way it goes. Let's move on. Let's go to a Louie in, in Long Beach. Hey, Louie, you're on the fan. Hi, Rick. How are you, Louie? How's everything? Good. Uh, my opinion about this is that uh, if the kids are going to decide who their next coach is, yep. I'll tell you what, if the coaches are recruiting on a college level, they're not going to recruit those kids. <laughs> they're going to stay away from people that are already are going to make the decisions for them. What do you need the coach for if the kids are making all the decisions? And what do you need the athletic directors for if they're making decisions as well? 
it's very, very, very dangerous for kids to be playing well, too much with that Twitter. Louis, let's go back to the situation in Arizona. Now, you know, here, here's the star quarterback saying, uh, I don't want to play for a new coach who runs a, a, a triple option offense. I don't want to do that. Why? Because I'll be getting hit a lot more as a, as a quarterback, and as a, I don't, I'd rather play for somebody where it's more of a pro set and they're going to have more blocking and I can drop back and pass and I'll, I'll get less hits. Okay, fine. That I understand the kid's got his own sort of personal preferences, but what? And then you get, then you have the college, the college president says, yeah, it's great to have kids uh, who are undergraduates voicing their opinions and so on and so forth. But as you said, Louis, what about the athletic director? I mean, who who does he is he talk? Does he does he report to the college president? Does he respond to the the quarterback? I mean, how do you make these calls? How do you? It's just once again, it's another sort of situation where we're putting our our uh, athletic directors on a hot seat that they really don't want to be on. I mean, wh- how can you, how can you please everybody as to who you're going to hire as the head coach? And, and another thing is this: if you're going to tell the other team what you're running, why would you do that? You want to <laughs> keep it more of a secret. Why do you want to give all your information away, all your strategy away to a team so then they can beat you? Uh, I would rather keep things uh, at, on a level where keep them. Un- uneasy, on edge. They don't know what I'm going to be doing. Element of surprise is the way to win. Uh, Not to tell everybody what you're doing all the time. I, I can only imagine, and, and Louie, thank you for the call. You know, I, I, I can only imagine that if you're a coach these days, not just at the collegiate level, but also at the at the high school or, or club team level, you have to really sit down with your players and say to them, you know, repeated times that, look, we understand that social media is out there and you're going to be tempted to write something that's um, perhaps about uh, the, your upcoming opponent or about uh, somebody in your team. Please, you can't do that. We don't want to give any other opponents uh, inside information or, or in some way get them emotionally riled up against us. you got to be careful because it's out there. And it's, once it's out there, it's it's hard to bring back. And and I, I, you know, I mentioned last week that some of the college coaches like a – like uh, Gino Oriema at UConn, he basically takes the phones away from his players during the season, but that's not realistic either because that's how kids communicate today you know, through their phones. It is a real issue. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Verona, New Jersey, where Steve is standing by. Steve, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. Happy Sunday. <laughs> you too, Steve. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I think it's a great topic you have going here. I think personally it's fascinating, social media and the impact that it has in athletes and sports in particular. I think we're moving towards an age where athletes, even starting in collegiate level, are going to need managers specifically for their social media to keep them out of trouble, keep them from losing money. It's even uh, even guys like Antonio Brown last year, he's FaceTiming at the end of a playoff loss in the locker room. I mean, those are things you can't have. Josh Hader going through his old tweets. Mm-hmm. It's just something that it really is a new aspect of, of the sports world that we're moving into in a new age. Yeah, I, I, Steve, I don't know, as you said, maybe at the professional level, you know, the, the, the guys uh, who are making real money, they have the, the wherewithal to hire somebody, almost like a, a public relations uh, coordinator, to, to handle all their Twitter stuff. But yeah. that, that's for the elite athletes. I'm not sure how that happens at the college level or at the uh, – or at the high school level, but yeah, I mean, I, I it's something that, um, you know, I, I still think that there should be some sort of courses taught uh, at the high school or even the middle school level 
uh, to to student athletes to say, let's understand how how potent uh, your tweets can be and how much damage they can do, not just to uh, yourself but to other people as well. Something has to be brought in, uh, brought under control here because it's just getting worse and worse. And and definitely, um, I, I don't know what the answer is. But I do know there's a major issue out there. Hey, thanks, Steve. Yeah. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Uh, let's go on to uh, Chico. Chico's in, a, on a, in his car this morning. Chico, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Always a pleasure to listen to your show. Thank you, Chico. Uh, Chico, I think we lost you here. Can you call back? Uh, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Terry up in Armenia. Terry, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good, Terry. How are you doing? I'm holding on. I'm better for having spent 10 days, 10 days in Wild Cornell Medical Center, believe me. Oh are, you, oh, are you okay now? I'm fine. I just, I'm glad to get away from that dreadful hospital food, but that's another <laughs> issue. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you understand of where course. I'm coming from on that one. Anyway, as you know, after all the years we've, when we've talked occasionally, I'm something of a contrarian. Yes. One of the best pieces of advice I was ever given was by a now-deceased former president of Princeton University, who said to me that when you are delivered an ultimatum uh, by someone, before you even think about how you're going to respond to it, stop and consider what you would do if you got the dreadful news that the individual who had delivered the ultimatum had been killed in an automobile accident. Hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Stop and think about it. What would Arizona have done if it had gotten the awful news that this talented quarterback had been killed in an automobile accident? Mm-hmm. And that leads to me, as a contrarian, to the next conclusion. I'm going to make the choice. I'm going to make the choice without regards to your feelings. If you don't like it, transfer. Mm. We'll find somebody else. <laughs> that would be my response, and see what the kid's response is. He either plays the ball by your game, or he takes his ball and goes and finds another playing field. You stay well, my friend. Thank you for the time. Well, thanks, Terry, and stay well. Uh, interesting, and I think that's what would have occurred Maybe 20, 25 years ago, uh, in, in, a, in a different time and place, uh, yes, I would think the athletic director uh, would have probably said to this kid, no matter how talented he is, you know, thank you for your thoughts, but we'll make the decision on who the next head coach is going to be. Uh, and um, I hope you like who we decide. If you don't, you can always transfer out of here, and we'll find somebody else who wants to play quarterback at the University of Arizona. But, of course, today, in 2018, that's not going to happen. If, if something happens where the star quarterback is not pleased with the selection of the Hulu coaches, then there's going to be just a, a, a firestorm on social media, and it's going to polarize the school, polarize the quarterback, polarize the athletic director. That's not good. So, for better or for worse, depending on your generational perspective, that's how it's going to go down because that's the world in which we live. And as I said, as, as kids find today, student-athletes, the power that going on social media provides them, I just think this is going to just continue to steamroll 
and gain momentum. And it's really going to get to a point where we just aren't going to be able to, you know, corral all this stuff back in because that's how kids communicate with each other and they feel that they are empowered to get their thoughts and opinions out there and then they live with the consequences for better or for worse. Interesting stuff. Hey, at 9 o'clock this morning, uh, Ed Randall will be here, and Ed will be talking baseball with you. Make sure you stick around and uh, check in with Ed. Uh, and as always, I ask you to check out uh, my website and my blog, in which we can talk about all the various points we discuss on the show at askcoachwolf.com. Uh, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed, my new book about the mental approach to sports. Uh, by all means, get your copy today. Now, just a programming note, next Sunday I'm going to be away, but uh, I pre-interviewed uh, Steve Callis, our expert on Little League Baseball, and uh, Steve and I spent an hour digging deep into how Little League Baseball, well, the truth is they really screwed up the, the mandatory rule uh, that went into effect this past January about how all bats in Little League have to have a USA logo on it. Uh, we also talked about how Little League for some reason, still doesn't seem to think that kids throwing curveballs and sliders is a major concern for young arms, even though we know that the, the number of Tommy John surgeries uh, for kids is skyrocketing. Uh, Steve also dug into how much money Little League Baseball actually makes as a not-for-profit organization. And I, I, I think you'll be stunned to hear how much money, how many millions that Little League Baseball has sitting in its corporate coffers uh, which I thought is kind of ironic, seeing how it's a, a volunteer-oriented operation. Again, that's next Sunday on the Sports Edge. Right now we're talking about social media and the alarming impact it's having on our kids and student-athletes, and I'm taking your calls at one 337 6666 Let's go back to Chico, who was in a car phone before. Chico, are you back on the air? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, listen, I'm not sure what got on and, and what, what was heard and was not. I, I didn't hear but, anything you asked uh, last time, but go ahead, Chico. Um, again, you know, the generational thing you said, there's no repercussions in what they say. You know, there's, I'm sorry, our children are soft. Our children are disrespectful. Our children don't know how to cope with the loss of a little league game or, or if they didn't get a job, you know, why didn't I get that job? Didn't he see my Michael Kors bag? You know, I mean, it's, everything is superficial today. And, well, it's, and, and, and for me, it's a parenting thing. Everything starts with the parent. Well, it does, Chico. There's no question about it. And I, you know, uh, and thank you for, for calling back. I, I don't know if it's, if it's just, um, it may be too broad a brush to basically, uh, you know, castigate all the kids today, because clearly there are kids out there who do work hard and who put time and effort into it, and they understand that adversity is, is something they have to, to cope with if they want to get ahead. But I am concerned about uh, how kids seem to rely upon their Twitter accounts to basically get their thoughts out there and really don't give much thought or concern about how it's being interpreted or read. That's what we're talking about. Let's go over to Englewood, and David is uh, standing by. David, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Coach. Thanks for taking my call very much. Thank y- you. Yes, David. 
So I have a, a son that's going to be 23 and a daughter that's going to be 17. So you are right in my wheelhouse. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I'm a, I am a parent who helped feed the monster, so I'm responsible because at about 11 or 12, my kids had phones. And the problem here is you have decisions being made in the court of popular opinion. You don't have decisions being made on facts. Now, this is a sociological issue, not just a sports issue. It happens everywhere. And I think that uh, Chico uh, very, was very eloquent in saying, you know, talking about consequences, because when you do something bad as a kid, you usually have consequences attached to that. When you're out there on social media having a conversation in a chat room, your friends just putting it on Twitter, there are usually no consequences to that. And that's a very big problem. So you're putting your opinion out there, and free speech is great. Yes, it's great. But when it's, it, 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 sometimes it's hurtful. Sometimes people will, will see that something bad will happen, and you won't even know it because you're just throwing things out there. You have to make decisions based on facts, and that's not happening with kids these days. I have wonderful kids, they're great kids, but, you know, they need tune-ups here and there. It was different when I was a kid, much different when I was a kid, when we were all kids. And I think that this, um, there has to be some kind of etiquette. Something has to be reeled in, and these athletes and actors and actresses and all these people who are making all this money have to set very good positive examples for us, and a lot of times that's not happening either. So they're feeding the monster, too. Uh, David, everything you say is correct, and, and um, yeah, I, 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 I don't really know how we got to this point, but we do know that obviously with, with uh, Twitter in particular and, and chat rooms, this is all accelerated so quickly, and our kids today, they, they, they understand, of course, they accept the idea of the First Amendment and they have a right to freedom of speech, but what they don't seem to understand is that, you know, yes, you can say whatever you want, but you have to understand you have to live with the consequences of what you put out there. And uh, you also say, which is correct also, that sometimes kids, you know, don't understand, like, well, how come I didn't get that job? Or how come I, I wasn't uh, admitted into that program or whatever it might be? And they're, not, they're not aware that people are reading what they post. And, and there's no reason for to go back to a kid and say, well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't accept you, or I didn't hire you because I read what you put out on social media, and that's correct. That, but also, that's what they're missing. But those, those when you didn't get the job, or you, didn't, or or someone didn't like you, or whatever, those used to, those situations used to elicit conversations, and from those conversations you would get facts, and you would you would grow up, you would learn, you would mature. You didn't say the right. This is what you said when I asked you this. You didn't put the tie on, or you know what. I'm a stickler for someone who makes a perfect knot because if you make a perfect knot and you show up, I think you're going to show up here on time. You're going to take the job seriously. The two people before you had perfect knots in their tie. Those conversations aren't being had, and if they ha- if they are, they're not even listening because they don't think it's important. Yeah, I, so I, that's a very, very big problem. Yeah, I agree. David, thank you for the insights. Appreciate it. Thank I agree you very with much. you. Yeah, you bet. Those are good points. Uh, let's go on to our friend Jack Smithlin. Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. How are you, Rick? Jack, how are you uh, doing, buddy? You know, this is a topic that you can actually continue for the rest of the summer. Yeah. I mean, it's something that uh, I'm going to refer back to that book. And, you know, you and I are old school. A few of the callers before were old school. And, you know, the book by Sven Nader, um, you haven't, they haven't learned, that you haven't taught until they have learned. And you said it before, repetition. You know, I've been married for 43 years now, and there's only, you know, the way that I learn is being told a million times. And what's going to happen is is that the parents today, like the last caller said, it's not the kids that are soft. It's, uh, in, in my opinion, 
it's the parents that are soft. And when kids are not afraid of consequences, when they're not afraid of the punishments, there's no cure. So what we have to do is teach. And when we don't teach and we let up and we become lazy and we become satisfied with mediocrity, the kids are not going to get what they need. They're not going to be told. Listen, when I was in school and I was trying to learn math, okay, I was in a situation where I need to be show- I had to be shown that 10, 15 times before I got it. I was not a great math person, but when I got it, I understood it. So when kids don't understand the fact that, listen, you're going to do something that's stupid. All right. I said something to my wife when we got married, and I and this is a this is a joke in a way, but it's a true thing. I said to her, "Listen, if you don't understand that I'm going to mess up every day of my life, then we're going to have a tough marriage, you know." <laughs> and kids and kids mess up, and that and that president of Arizona, listen, I understand his point, but he just opened up a can of worms. Yep. And the quarterback, he just told every NFL coach that, "Listen." I'm not going to be I'm I'm going to play my way I'm not going to play your way. Correct. So he might have just closed about 15 doors. So And and Jack I I'm so glad you you called in this morning and made those points cuz they're so so right spot on. One is We have to teach. We have we, to keep teaching. teaching. We can't and teaching stop. involves a lot of repetition and well, if kids that's the first point. Number 2, if kids aren't aware about the consequences of their actions or they're not afraid of the consequences, well, we're going to have some problems because kids have to understand. And the three, with Khalil Tate, as you just said, he's now basically told the NFL, you know, I if I'm not happy with who the coach is at the NFL, I'm just going to put out a tweet and say, I don't want to be here. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's so, and, and also, Rick, one of the things that you said about repeating, you know, it's like, it's like hitting a baseball. How do you get better? You get better by repeating it. Repetition, repetition, repetition. And unless we're repeating, I mean, listen, when I was a kid, I had to be told 15 times to do something, and then I finally got it. But you know what? I have this thing, and this is, uh, this is the last thing I'll say, and then I'll listen. But one of the things that I did for my kids, I counsel kids at school. I teach, I teach learning disabled kids. And it's the most rewarding job you ever want to have in your life. And I'm retiring in December, and um, I'm not questioning it, but I'm going to be very sad when I do. I make a card, and I put this card on everybody that I'm counseling on their binders, okay, so that they can see it everywhere they go. And the card says this. Think before you speak and and think before you act. And on the other side of the card, it says the things that we should think about are the consequences to what we're going to say or do. Yeah. And if kids read that over and over and over, some of them will get the message and some of them will not. Jack, and I, I got to tell you, thanks, that's, Rick. that's great, great advice. And thank you, for, for as always, for calling in, Jack. I appreciate those those sentiments. You know, and that's what we're talking about here we got to take the time to get our kids, the next generation of student-athletes, to think about the consequences and to be fearful of negative consequences. And a lot of this comes back to our conversation about, about Twitter and what they put out there because, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's, as we've said, said many times on the show, it's tougher than ever to be a sports parent these days. It's a lot more difficult and challenging than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 